We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show, IB Nation Sports Talk, up and running. I'm on a different computer than I am usually on today because the computer that I am usually on is uh, well, decided it didn't want to work right when it was time to start the show. So glad to have you with us here today. Glad to be back. I was off yesterday. It seems like I've been off for a week after being off yesterday, but we've got a full house today and uh, I'm looking forward to to this one because usually it's either Jesse and me or Vince and me. And since we didn't have a show yesterday, we're all three here together today. So here we Full are. House. Full house, baby. Let's do this thing. Some would say the real dream team. <laughs> Some would say. Some would hey, say. Just saying. We've got all kinds of stuff that we're going to get to in today's show, starting with uh, the main topic that we've got. A- Notre Dame and Clemson. It's like, then it doesn't seem like it's been almost two years since they played, does it? No, no, it does not seem like it's been that long. And I was giving Brian a hard time about this during the post game show. I didn't get to see that one live because every entity at the time was only allowed one person in the press box. That's right. And I got outvoted by the boss. <laughs> we were we were a a team of two at the time. It was him and me. And I got to watch it from home. So I'm kind of excited about this one. I get to see Clemson in person for the first time ever. I guess I will too, now that you mention it. Because I was <laughs> not at that game because I was still at the radio station. And that's right. because of you know the, the limitations that you were talking about, we could we – could, I'm trying to – well – because, you know, we did the pregame show and the postgame show and all that, and I don't think they had accommodations for us at that because, like, they did not for like broadcasting, right? Like, you could exactly. have gone to the game, but exactly. you you broadcast right up to the start of it, and then you start right when it's over. So there's no point in going to the game because you would have been there for like half of it in the middle, which would have right. made no sense. Right. So yeah, exactly. Jess, you look a little bit tired. It's it's like you went to a Monday night football game last night or something. I'm beat today. Uh, <laughs> it's you. You look like Jack Daniels beat you up last night. Is what you look like? No. So I had to. We went to the game last night, and then I had to get to the airport early this morning at like six a.m. And then Ooh. 
I had to run to traffic violation court, and then I got a flat tire on the way home. So it's just been wow, a very splendid day. Very Those are all good day. times. You did go to the game last night, though, right? Yeah, I did go to the game last night, too. So, yeah, it's just been game, up early for flight, working, traffic court, uh, flat tire. Um, now I'm here. Got a chili cook-off for work tomorrow that I'm not prepared for. <laughs> So get out the uh, all the uh, herbs and special seasoning seasonings tonight to uh, to make that pot of chili. Yeah, I need to go to the chili. I need to go to the store after this and get all my ingredients. And I've never made chili before. I've never made this recipe before. So <laughs> just we'll go see buy chili. Yeah, we'll just we'll just see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I, the it was just it's just been the the longest day, and it just seems to just get worse and worse. But today is the right now is the bright side. You know, there's nothing else going on right now. We're going to talk about how Notre Dame is going to beat Clemson. And then, yeah, and then I'll go get my ingredients to make chili. <laughs> See, you got to carry in tomorrow. I've got to carry in tomorrow. The difference is I signed up for drinks. So <laughs> that's just going that's so school. Vince. That is so Vince, man. Y'all bring a packet of Kool-Aid, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you provide uh, the water any, and the Does anybody have a 64-ounce pitcher I can put this in? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I signed up for drinks, so there we go. <laughs> Vince is Vince is handing out Kool Aid for for Halloween last night. <laughs> All right, well, um, is this working? Okay, here we go. It's you know again, like one computer is working, one's not. Um, the title of this show is Notre Dame Ready for Clemson, of course. That's what we're going to discuss today. BVG should be coach brings up a good point. Are we ready for Clemson? Yes. Are we ready to face Clemson and the horrid ACC refs? No. The state of officiating this year, like there is a shortage of high school officials that the whole nation has been dealing with with the last few years. And it's like, apparently... It just officials just stop some like the flow of officials stop somewhere along the line because yeah college officiating has just been brutal this year as well. I, I think it's an epidemic from little league and middle school sports all the way to the professional ranks. The the officiating whether it is a lack of officials whether it is a lack of good officials. Or whether it's just a lack of common sense. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a little bit of all of the above. But officials have been a problem across the board. And absolutely across yeah. the board in everything that I deal with or, you know, participate in in my entire athletic life right now. And it's it's really pathetic is what it is. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that you get a lot of people who don't know the rules thinking they know the rules. And then they're trying to kind of like you know, force explain their flawed logic to everyone else. <laughs> and it's like, I know that this is wrong. I got into it, not into it, but, you know, I coached a, a baseball team over the summer and, you know, you got all these people trying to tell you what the rules are. And it's like, I don't, obviously I don't have my credentials posted, but I've been playing baseball for a long time. People like we don't have to, <laughs> you know, be explaining the rules. Like I'm a, you know, a child, I, I know what the rules are. And that's, that's the most frustrating part. It seems like you get explained to like a child, but then they're wrong at the same time too. So that's <laughs> that's the most frustrating part, in my opinion. It's 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 worse the higher you go up, right? Because then you, there's more on the line. There's more things on the line. Obviously, with sports betting, there's more on the line, and you just don't want to yeah. see the bad calls. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and uh, as Tommy Gunn says, refs uh, got to be tired of dealing with the millennial parents who got participation trophies. So uh, ask the good ones left. And he said, P.S., he's a millennial parent. And it's, you know, it's, I think it's very true. It, it, there's, there, there's a whole lot of layers to it. But, you know, like the one thing I'll say in defense, like it, 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 being, being a referee is not, not occupation that I would have, ever chosen like it's it's like you when you go to little league games and you've got you know little league parents who 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 want to beat up the yeah. ref because of a bad call you know it's one thing to to, to chirp a little bit and whatever and it's like I, you know i i do think that some of the good officials or you know good bad whatever in the middle have have left and the ones who are good do move up the ladder you know and and good for them but right, when you've absolutely. got a, a shortage where you are right now there's just there's just a lack of good officiating across the board i think with the exception of the pro ranks you know professionally do they miss some calls yeah but they're much more consistent across oh, the sure. board at the professional level than they are at any other level and and somebody you know mentioned pay and and you know it's part of it too. If you throw in the equation of pay versus grief that you receive, obviously anything below professional level is way different. And, you know, if you want to be a high school umpire, referee, official, whatever, you're going to get a heck of a lot of grief for not that much pay. And it's not, yeah. I will say that it is not worth it. I will also say I had thought about being a referee at one point. It just never really kind of worked out. But I, I would enjoy it. I would actually enjoy being a referee. But in certain sports, not so much. Like basketball, where they're right on top of you and they can yell at you and, 
you know, curse your children and all that stuff. That was like, the most fun as a student. You just you could <laughs> be say whatever to the players basketball. and the referees. You could let them know when they're doing a bad job. I remember you in the front row of the student section, Jesse, and I know that you used to <laughs> give a hard too. time to the stripes. So <laughs> you gotta Football let the best sport to do, I think, know. is an official because you're farthest Absolutely. away. You know, it's not like you're a home plate umpire or a first base umpire, and you got you know people right there, like you were saying with basketball or any of these other sports it's like football you can screw up but you're away from everybody so they might yes. yell at you but you really don't hear them <laughs> absolutely and i football i think it would be fun to be a football official I, I i really do think that that would be fun i think we you know the three of us if we all lived in the same place we could be football referees that'd be fun yeah we could be a crew say. that's we right could be a crew and crew. i guarantee we'd get jobs immediately because of the lack of good officials around here you're right you're right and it actually from a pay standpoint, like probably pays better than what I'm making for doing games on the radio for that matter. And you get a little ah, bit of exercise. At I'm least, just saying. Right? Just saying. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the subject at hand. We've got a lot to cover today because uh, you and and Vince, you and Brian have the, the uh, college football playoff selection show coming up later. What time is that actually going to originate tonight? Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock? Eight o'clock okay. because the show... I believe the actual show this week is at seven. So yeah. we'll let the show kind of take, you know, play out. We'll be able to kind of jot down our ideas and then we're going to go live at eight o'clock. I know it's going to be me and Brian for sure. Uh, the other Sean and Ryan may or may not join, but it will at least be Brian and myself. All right. Well, so what we're talking about today is Notre Dame ready for Clemson and you know, coming off of the win over a team, they've done really well ranked teams this season. Gave Ohio State the best game Ohio State has had this year. They, of course, have beaten North Carolina, BYU, and most recently Syracuse. All these ranked teams, Syracuse and BYU, were both ranked 16th when Notre Dame played them. And again, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks. You sit back and look, and North Carolina's only loss is to Notre Dame. So they're still flying high. And again, Ohio State, the best game anyone has given them, Notre Dame. But they have those eggs that they have laid. And we'll just start, I'll, you know, I'll let Vince go first. Jesse can can follow up after him and then, then uh, you know, chime in wherever we need to be. The Fighting Irish ready for Clemson. So what do you think? <sighs> I mean, after the game that they played against You don't sound very convincing right off the bat. Well... I, I will say, after the game that they played against Syracuse, I have more faith that they're going to be competitive against Clemson than I did going into the game, to be honest with you. Now, I still have a lot of question marks about what they're going to look like at home. I was very confident in what they were going to do against Clemson because it was on the road. And I know it's it feels like it's that simple, like home versus on the road. They haven't figured out how to play at home yet. and But we saw a lot of signs that a lot of these position groups – are ready to go to play against a top flight opponent. I think that they're ready. I'm not saying that they're going to win. I think that they're ready. I don't, I think that they're ready to not get embarrassed at this point. And <laughs> my answer might've been different a couple of weeks ago, uh, but outside of one position group, I think that they are very much ready to compete against Clemson. Okay. Jess. Uh, you might want to unmute yourself. They're sleeping. Sorry, dog. Dog was going crazy there for a little bit. <laughs> Didn't want to hear have everyone else hearing that. But Vince, 
Vince brought up a lot of good points um, and just kind of building off what he's talking about. I'm going to, I think, provide some more confidence. I definitely think uh, that Notre Dame is ready. It's just a term, uh, a matter of what products that we're going to get, you know, and that's been the main thing that we've been talking about is the consistent product that Notre Dame puts out there because they show flashes of being a really elite team and being able to, con- you know, compete with all the best teams in the country. But then the next week we'll go out and play how they did against a horrible Stanford team or a Marshall team. And you're really left to kind of second guess, are they actually ready? Um, I I would say that they are ready. And I think that they have the tools to do it. They just need to be consistent. They need to play, you know, to their strengths and they need to not, not, not overly get too cute, do the things that they know that they know how to do well um, and be able to stop Clemson in in the run game. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. I'm not too threatened by DJ um, at quarterback and what he does. And so, to me, it's going to be come down to a game of who runs the ball better um, and who's who's more prepared to run the ball better and, and honestly comes up with more schemes uh, to run the ball better. That's that's really what it's going to come down to, in my opinion. Should we have a contest to see who says uh, DJ, the uh, Clemson quarterback's name, the best and the worst? <laughs> His name? If ready. you just say DJ, everyone knows who you're talking about. Why would you even, don't even bring up the, we? Uh, what do you know? We, you know what I mean. <laughs> There's uh, someone I know who Vince who who Vince knows as well. Jesse might know him a little bit. Who essentially gets paid to say people's names for a living. But two years ago, when Notre Dame was playing Clemson, he just butchered DJ Uyangalale's name, left, right, sideways, any way you could butcher it, and the man. Would write it out phonetically and still couldn't say. It. <laughs> he would say it different every time. Every time, and it is hilarious. Man. See, it's easier for you because it's part of you know your your day to day job. You know the phonetics. You know last names. You you know you write them out on paper beforehand, so you know how to say them. You get a couple practice ones in. I don't need to say his last name. I just need to say DJ, the quarterback from Clemson. And I think that's pretty much where this guy ended up. You know, he he tried, but. I'll need, just say, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. You're it's, good. No, I need to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can shade, but you know, <laughs> keeping it shade, right? That's so, right. <laughs> so, uh, oh, what was my thought? The home and away success. This is, to, I started thinking about this because we know that they have played like, I was about to say garbage. They have not played well at home this year, right? I mean, they've lost – how many games have they had? Four games at home now this season, Mm -hmm. and they've lost two of them, and none of the teams have been ranked. I mean, who's the best of the four teams that they have played at home? Like, who would you give that mantle to right now? That that was my gut reaction was Cal, (laughs) but – I mean, I don't even only know. Half, only half the game against Cal, really. The first half, I wouldn't say that they played all that great. Right, right. I guess my point is, and I don't know that there's any way to know this until after we see this game Saturday night, is it about home versus away, or are they playing to the level of the competition? Because the competition away from Notre Dame Stadium has been all the good teams. So are they just getting up for the better teams? And then they're home and they're relaxing. They're letting their, you know, that kind of thing. I'm just thinking out loud with this. I'm not, I'm not saying that's what it is. I think we're all trying to figure out 
what that is. Is is it a matter of home versus away, or is it just a matter of the better teams have happened to be away? It's more about that than it is being at home. That's a good question because I think Marcus Freeman may be asking that very same question, if we're all being honest. I mean, it's like, what are we doing at home? How are we not successful? We prepare the same way. We're doing all the same things. How are we not successful at home? And yet we're pretty darn successful on the road. And I mean, you brought up the stat. They played four ranked teams. They beat three of them. And really all four of those games have been on the road, right? And I mean, you can, yeah. it's Shamrock series. Okay. But it's still on the road. I mean, you can call it a home game all you want. It's still on the road. You're still, Taking an airplane, staying in a hotel—you know—it's still yeah. on the road. I don't. You're not on campus. You, yeah, it's not you have to go. Game. Yes, hours away. <laughs> Correct. If it's not inside Notre Dame Stadium, it's on the road. So they've just played so much better on the road than they have at home. And but just to devil's advocate myself, I feel like they're. How can you not get up for this game? It's a top five team. They're undefeated. I mean, you can call them your biggest ACC rival over the last X amount of years. How can you not get up for this game? So I, I feel like that's not going to be an issue for, you know, this time around. But man, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. For me, you know, I was kind of thinking about this uh, actually right before we kind of went on. And I was, I was really thinking about, you know, the times when I played. And it, it is sometimes hard and you fall into ruts of kind of falling down to your competition. You know, I remember when we, when I played travel baseball for a while, we always played bad against crappy teams and we always played really well against the good teams. And it would, it just became a reoccurring issue. And it's like, well, why don't we just play how we played against the good teams against these crappy teams and all of our problems wouldn't be solved. And so I think it is a combination of, you know, subconsciously you get into these kind of ruts, no matter how much your coaches talk about, you know, oh, we don't need to overlook this team or that team. We're all people. We see, you know, Stanford's record going into a game. You know, we see that they're struggling. And sure. naturally, I think you just don't bring the same kind of level of concentration and being prepared that you would because you know that the opponent isn't, you know, isn't as good uh, as, you know, some of these previous opponents that you're playing. And then another thing that I thought about, too, is it feels like Tommy Reese gets into these very experimental stages early on in the game because he knows that opponents aren't necessarily as good. So he has more uh, margin for error. And I think he gets himself into a rut sometimes because then they fall out of rhythm rather than kind of, you know, building from start to finish and getting into rhythm and, instead of, you know, the the experimental and, you know, not finding what's working. And now all of a sudden, you, next thing you know, it's halftime and you haven't scored any points yet. And that just adds, you know, you feel that pressure on your shoulders. You feel that that weight as as players that okay now we not only do we need to make up for the first half but we need to you know somehow compensate and win the second half now too and win the game overall yeah. so to me it's kind of like this cocktail of a lot of things going on but it just seems like when they go on these road games they're just so much more that coaching staff and players are just so much more mentally prepared you know and I don't know what that's attributed to I know I know Marcus Freeman is you know not doing anything different but it just seems like going into road games there's just so much more mental sharpness compared to um, at home. And the, the execution level is just a lot better. So I don't know what to attribute that to. I think it's a kind of a cocktail of, uh, of various different things. Well, it ain't rocket science says Tommy just has to quit auditioning for the smartest NFL style offensive coordinator in the <laughs> history of college football when getting play calling. I mean, that basically, you know, is what you're talking 
talked about right there with all this stuff that he's doing rather than having a staple of things that they can go of things that they now we saw maybe a you know maybe more along those lines of of kind of playing to their strengths against uh, Syracuse but there were times like after they got a pretty good lead on Syracuse then all of a sudden you see him kind of start tinkering a little bit and instead of that train roll forward they have put even more points on the board instead of keep rolling forward all of a sudden you get a couple of three and outs and the game starts getting closer momentum shifts and all that kind of stuff and then you need Maris Leofau's interception and a, and a pump block to really help put the game away that's obviously stuff that they haven't been able to count on all year but I you know I, I do think that that is a big part of it I think everyone agrees with that is the offensive consistency regardless of of who they're playing and, and maybe that's right maybe he does tend to tinker more against some of those lower teams on the schedule I I think that there's there's definitely something to that you know if it were me I would just smash my plays that I know have been working into Clemson right from the start and if they prove that they can stop our plays that have been successful against everyone else that's when I kind of go to the drawing board and say okay let's let's try a couple of different things here but I guess I just don't understand why you don't start with what you know has been dominating other teams, right? And I told you last week uh, when we when I was on the show and we were kind of talking about you know things that Notre Dame needed to do against Syracuse. I told you that he need that they needed to be comfortable, not get uncomfortable with running the ball like three straight times if they needed to. And it seems like they got away from that. There was a lot of success running, and instead of just being uncomfortable with the fact that you're just continuously running the ball. Well, Syracuse is running three down linemen and they're all undersized. So why not just keep pounding the ball until you literally cannot be stopped? And so I, you know, that's the thing is I just feel like they have to be uncomfortable with what's working. You don't have to be this team that does all these different things. You just got to do what's going to win you the game that day. And I think that's been kind of the biggest thing so far. I agree with what Jess is saying. I think he makes a number one. He makes a good point about playing to the competition and look, as much as we want to say, you know, you've got to be able to get up for every opponent. You're a Division One athlete, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard. It's, it's easier said than done. These kids are human. I mean, and they're kids also, right? And so, I mean, there is something to be said for that. And I agree with Jesse. I mean, I see it as a coach. When we play a garbage team, we tend to play like garbage. You know, we play down to their level. We still go out and win the game. We'll play down to their level. You know what I mean? And I've been surprised by how well we've we had played against teams that we should not even be close to. And so there is something to be said for that. And that's human nature. And that's just the way the game is played. And that's tough. And but you yeah, it's still fairly inexcusable to lose, obviously, to Marshall and Stanford. There's no question <laughs> about that. That's inexcusable. You can't do that. You have the players on your roster. Maybe you don't play great, but you at least win those games, right? That is an issue, obviously, but I think they're going to be up for this game. I, I don't see how they could not be. How can you How can you play a top five team and not be up for it? I just, they're going to I mean, be up for it. And it's yeah, a night absolutely. game. The light right. show's coming out. There's just so many things that will play to the things oh, that the, the players like. It's what the players like. Do you want I, Do you want the players I, to be fired up, or do you look, want to have a mini stroke while watching the, the light show? Hey, man, I get it. I was it's, fired up for the light show it's, earlier. It's just once the stadium hosted on late in the game. <laughs> I was fired up with the show earlier. Host to come on. Oh, the stadium host. Gosh, now you're going to get me all fired up over here. <laughs> I, 
I think they can do a better job with the light show. That's what I'm saying about the light show. I'm a fan of the light show generally, but they need to do a better job with it, number one. I would say Clemson is a bigger rival right now than Stanford is, and they were trying to shove down our throat that Stanford is a rival of Notre Dame. Clemson's a bigger rival of Notre Dame than Stanford. Sure. I agree. I agree. Well, okay, so we're talking about this game then. What are you most confident? I I think I'm on – I think my my POS computer – that my alternate computer that I'm using tonight, I, I think I'm on a little delay with you guys based on the way things sound. I'm still trying to get the computer booted up. What are you guys most confident in, though, in this matchup? Jess, why don't you go first? Uh, the thing that I'm most confident in is, you know, Notre Dame's uh, um, ability to – how do I put this? Notre Dame's ability to effectively run the ball because we know, or at least I think, and a lot of other people think that, you know, their offense doesn't really go anywhere unless they run the ball. Drew Pine isn't a threat enough. Their wide receivers aren't a threat enough that, you know, that that you're, you're going to come out and say that's what's going to beat us. And so I'm most confident that the run game gets going and the rest of the offense opens up because for me, Drew Pine is what's going to have to win this game for Notre Absolutely. Dame. Pine's performance, whether it is good, that's going to be overall what loses the game. And if it's exceptional and good, I think that's what's going to win the game. But Clemson has a very good run defense. And so you're not going to be able to run the ball and, and you know, lean on it uh, as much as you've been able to. And so I think that they're going to start early with the run. And if, if things can open up in the past because of the run, that's ultimately what's going to take them uh, to to the next level, kind of to win this game. What do you what do you think, Vince? Yeah, you know, I agree with a lot of the things that you're saying. They're, they look, are, are, they're going to have to be able to run the ball against Clemson in order to have a chance at winning this game. You, right. I mean, you have to be able to run the ball. And I've said this since the second that Drew Pine became the starter at Notre Dame, he can't be successful unless Notre Dame can run the ball. Mm-hmm. Period. He needs a running game. Notre Dame cannot go into this game and put the entire game on the shoulders of Drew Pine. That can't happen because that's not who Drew Pine is, and that's not who he – you cannot expect him to be somebody that he's not, right? He's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not a guy that's just going to sit in the pocket and pick you apart, especially with no run game. Because if that was the case, then Clemson would be able to drop eight, and Drew Pine would still be able to pick him apart. That is never going to happen. That is not who Drew Pine is. Now, Drew Pine is somebody that if the running game is a – effective right i'm not saying the run game is going to look like it did against unlv and like it did against syracuse okay where the offensive line is just pushing clemson three and four yards down the field that's not going to happen but you need to have a semblance of a run game therefore you can run play action that way you can roll the pocket out you can do things that are going to make drew pine a successful quarterback in this offense right he doesn't have to be Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't have to be Joe Burrow, name your five-star prolific quarterback. He doesn't have to be that. He has to be middle-of-the-road Drew Pine. He needs to be 67 68% passer, not turn the ball over, push the ball down the field when you need to, but he also needs to make those layups, right? He needs to be Drew Pine. If he can be Drew Pine and they have a semblance of a running game, they have a shot. They have a shot against this defense because the Clemson defense is really good against the run, but I think Notre Dame has a real good run game. 
They're not real good against the pass. They can be duped when it comes to pass game. They, they, you know, their corners can be taken advantage of. I mean, watch any game that Clemson has played up to this point, and they have looked rough at times against the pass. Again, Drew Pine is not going to pick you apart, but you can do some things where the run game, you know, helps out Drew and then pushes them forward, and then he can take advantage of that, right? So, you. but I'm most confident that the run game can do something, and so I'm hoping that that is the case, right? So, I mean, we'll see what happens, but the run game has to be an important piece of this offense in order for them to be effective. Absolutely have to be. Yeah, and I, I, I th- I'll go out on a bold limb here and say if Notre Dame runs the ball for 125 and Drew Pine completes 70% of his passes, they will win that game on Saturday. I think that's a pretty confident thing to say because, you know, they give up about 85 a game, Clemson on the ground. Notre Dame, can, if they can get over that 100-yard you know, yeah. yard mark, and Pine can do what he needs to do. He's been at like 40 and 50% completion percentage over his last three to four games. Obviously not great. And, you know, Clemson, yeah, Clemson, like you said, Clemson's weakness is their secondary. I don't, Vince, I don't know if you remember that that week four game of Clemson against, and Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Oh, my gosh, yes. I was going to bring that up. Yes. Yeah. Wake Forest, you know, threw for 337. They're averaging, you know, kind of 6.6 a game. And it was just a shootout. Now, I don't yep. think that Drew Pine is as good as Wake Forest's quarterback, but he doesn't have to be because Notre Dame runs the ball than, than better than what Wake Forest can do. And like you said, you you set up so many other things when you can run the ball because then your players, the linebackers, the safeties, the corners, they're all cheating a step, a step and right. a half to two. And that's all Drew Pine, you know, that's what Pine needs is just his wide receivers to get kind of an extra step in man coverage because they're going to be committing so many more players to the box and stopping the run. So you're going to see a lot of more man coverage, maybe, yeah. you know, a single high safety. Um, but really it, the, the run game has to be the, what controls everything else because that's how the offense gets going is only when, when the run game is going. And if, 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 if the run game's not going, then Pine is going to be asked to do too much. And I just don't think he's capable of being that quarterback to dig you out of a hole and win you right. a game. It's just, that's not their formula for winning games. Yep. Completely agree it's, with that. It's funny. You should mention that because Hello, I'm back. <laughs> and you sound great, by the way. I'm yeah, on the other computer. I, I, I finally, yes, I, I I, on the computer that we were on, I Googled how to force start a restart on your Mac. So so I found out how to force start the restart on the stupid computer I was on. That was I don't know how choppy I sounded at your end, but it was horrible at this end. Yeah. It was uh, so so it, it's like, oh, thanks, PC. So I got it. <laughs> started and now i'm back hey everybody welcome back <laughs> oh. appreciate you but so, basically jess and i both talked about the run game is the thing we're most confident about right right and it looks like the top of my head is cut off here so i'm going to try to oh we've got a red background too I yeah know i don't know how that happened, happened but all of a sudden we got red but whatever. in the middle of the show it turned red it did like, i don't know what happened but we just, what else can happen today? We're just the november through. special yeah we're just plowing through i guess so so marcus freeman at his press conference, uh, you know, was asked about Drew Pine because, I mean, basically you have to ask about Drew Pine all the time now because of right. what's going on with Drew Pine. So this is just a little bit, this is the tail end of what he was talking, you know, because he talked about Drew Pine has to be better and all these different things. But I thought to me, the tail end of his quote about Drew Pine was the most interesting part okay. of the quote. So I'll play that for you right now. 
Some things we gotta, you know, at some point when, if we're not running the ball so well, we're gonna throw it more. You know, and so right now we're running the ball pretty well. And uh, if we don't run the ball really well, I think it's going to force us to, you know, obviously take more opportunities in the passing game. And you know, now again, it, it's not that, not that he made a, a big bold statement there, but when you look at the strength of Clemson's defense, what's the strength of their defense? Their defensive line, right? To me, it, it felt like you know, if I'm reading into this a little bit. Marcus Freeman is saying, without saying, we know it's going to be a little bit tougher running against Clemson, you know, yeah. if not a lot tougher running against Clemson. So Drew Pine has got to be able to carry this team a little bit. That That's kind of what it sounds like to me. And, you know, Drew Pine, four games ago, showed that, was he going to stare down Michael Mayer? Yeah, but he could still get the job done to some extent. Now, these last three games, We've seen a completely different Drew Pine, who's what, like almost a 30% from a completion percentage standpoint, 30% worse quarterback than he was in that in that good three-game stretch against Cal, BYU, and North Carolina. So, But it's exactly right. Like, if they're not able to run the ball, and the run, it should be at least tougher to run the ball against Clemson Saturday night. There's going to be more on Drew Pine and the passing game. And that to me is kind of a it's it's not a very good prospect to think about just what we've seen from Drew Pine these last three games. What do you guys think? Completely agree. I mean, that is it you're not gonna be able to I said this earlier, you can't not rely on Drew Pine to win the game for you, but he's going to have to make plays to keep the offense moving. Yes. He's gonna have to. And if he doesn't make those plays, then their offense is not going to do well. You can't just run the ball against Clemson. They're not; It's not going to look the same as it did against other teams. They have one of the best, you know, run defenses in the country. They have one of the best defensive lines in the country. It's not going to look the same. So Drew Pine's going to have to complete some passes. And he's going to have to complete the layups. That's the biggest difference for me. Yes. He's going to have to complete the layups because even those layups will move the chains. See, and that's the thing, because like even like the other day, it's like you cannot throw the ball into the ground when Lorenzo Styles is set up for a perfect screen pass. There were so many, there were yes. I won't say so many, but there were easy passes. Right. It's you know, it's so it's it's not all like now, you know, it's not always, hey, we're forcing the ball to to Michael Mayer too much. We're too locked in on Michael Mayer. Now there were times like sure. like that pass over the middle where the whole defense basically drops back into zone coverage and he tries to throw it over it and, you know, you end up with with that. I mean, you you can't have that against Clemson. And right. again, the running of the football should be much tougher against Clemson. You know, like yeah. two years ago, they came out and Kyron Williams hit that run right away and it really set the tone for the awesome. offense. You know, you you can't. You can't bank on one of those kind of plays early on, kind of those shock and awe plays to get a defense back on its heels a little bit. That's not really the kind of offense they've shown themselves to be. They've shown themselves to be a bully against really inferior defenses. Clemson should be a lot. I'm not. I'm not going to call Clemson, you know, like doomsday or you know, like they're the best defense in the world. They're really good. The best defense that I mean, maybe arguably between Ohio State and Clemson, but either way. Still a really good defense. One of the one of the two best defenses you're going to see all season. Yeah. I would like to see a more concerted effort 
attacking kind of the outside run sort of schemes this week. I don't think that there's any advantage to diving right into the heart of the of the Clemson defensive line. I think you want to set up, get on the perimeter, get some of get your guys like Diggs and uh, Tyree on the edge on some outside kind of zone schemes. I'd like to see some quick screens out to wide receivers that are extension of the run game. Just make make Clemson's other players have to make the play, make their corners have to make yeah. the play. If you know they have a good defensive lineman, flick it out to your wide receiver and let them essentially kind of run a run play on the perimeter and let their corners, linebackers, and whoever else is, you know, coming over, make the tackle. I don't, if they're going to run the ball and which like we just talked about, they have to, um, I'd like to see more of that, you know, concerted effort to get to the edge rather than just kind of bully it down in the middle there. Um, and while you're also gone, Vince and I talked about, you know, this is a game where Drew Pine has to be at like 70% completion, right? Like he, if they're going to, Drew Pine at least is, 65, I think. Yeah, it, great quarter. Like Drew Pine is ultimately going to be what decides win or loss for Notre Dame this week. He just needs to play above average quarterback and can't play below average quarterback. And he needs to hit his short passes. Their offense is built around three to four yards per time. And if you can get into a third and two, then it's still you could still, you know, I would trust them to to run two yards with their offensive line against Clemson, but I don't think you're going to get four to five on first down like they're accustomed to getting. So you have to find other ways to stay ahead of the chains and get your four to five yards on first down because you can't fall behind against the Clemson team because when you're Drew Pine, you're sitting in second and 10, third and 10. That's not what he's built for, right? Like he's not built to pick up those big plays, to be the guy that, you know, the quarterback that's going to get you out of these holes. He's just a complimentary quarterback and that's fine. There's not, that's not a bad thing. It's just how their offense is built. But they just need to know that and know that, you know, that's the biggest frustration, I think, is Tommy Reese thinks that his offense is more than what it is sometimes rather than it is what it is, right? Like, it, it we're eight games into the season now. You're going against number five Clemson. You need to know what you're good at and just continuously do it. That's a that's spot on, man. Like, you, you said it right at the very end was the best part of what you said. And I agree with all the scheme and things that they should be doing. But the end is what you said. You can do a lot of things scheme-wise for Drew Pine to be successful when you're talking about, you know, second and mediums, third and shorts. You know, you don't have to run the ball on all of those, but there's certain things you can do with Drew Pine where he's throwing the ball where it's a layup versus standing in the pocket and trying to, you know, dissect drop eight. Right. 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 There's there's a ton of things you can do with Drew Pine, and that's okay. He can do those things. You can scheme guys open when you're talking about some shorter distances and some, you know, the pressure not being all on him to make a play. There's things you can do. I trust Tommy Reese to be able to do those things as long as he understands that's who this offense is. You can be very successful with this offense if you're smart about it. I I assume that Jesse will be bringing his whiteboard (laughs) on Thursday. For, uh, for Thursday's show, I haven't. I need to get into those. <laughs> <laughs> were, after the Stanford loss, we yeah. blew up a lot of things. There was not <laughs> oh a lot of gosh. excitement going on around here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> People were crying in the chat over the whiteboard that in and the spreadsheets that Jesse brought in. Hey, so, truth hurts. Yeah, the I mean, numbers never lie, Vince. That's right. The numbers right. never lie. No, you're right. There's going to be a lot more on Drew Pine. And when 
you know, like just just look at Saturday against Syracuse, and this is it's it's not just Syracuse; it's become a little bit more of a trend. And we saw this, I think, earlier in Ian Book's career as well. When when teams decide, you know, Syracuse is built on a three man front to begin with, so they typically are going to drop a lot of guys. But when Drew Pine has faced a three man rush and they're dropping eight into coverage, he's really confused. A lot of times, I think, you know, and that so that is a big issue for him. But you can solve some of that with a lot of the things that you guys are talking about, some simplifications. Like if they're going to drop eight, well, okay, they're they're dropping eight. Then that means you're going to have room to make plays on the perimeters. They're going to be screen passes and those things that you guys are talking about. They're going to be there. Some easy little layups to get him going. But because I really think that that's. All it's about for him is just getting early confidence and yes. getting into a little yeah. bit of a flow can really get him kick-started. It's like, you know, quarterbacks, you don't want to be overly emotional, but he is a pretty yeah. emotional guy. We have seen that, and if he's going to be emotional, he's got to feed on the good emotion. He's got to get yep. that going early. He can't get down early. They they, they need to they need to find a way to, to get that in his brain and, and, and get him rolling in the right direction. So for me, and I know you guys have probably covered a lot. We've covered most of this right now, but I'm I'm pretty confident in what the defense can do against Clemson myself. Like, I don't think that this is a game where, you know, it's like, ooh, Clemson is coming. You know, even like, like even compared to 2020 with some of the Great. receivers that they had out there. And obviously before, 20, you know, back to 2018 as well, Uyanga Lalea has obviously struggled and they've used – Club, they've used Clubnik, so you've got a veteran five, you know, former five-star guy who has had some success and was really good early on, but he got benched a couple weeks ago against Syracuse. If Syracuse can make them look like now they ran the ball really well, but they turned the ball over some, and that was that's you know that's the thing that Syracuse does well is turn the ball over. But if Syracuse can make Clemson struggle, there's no reason to believe that Notre Dame's defense can't make Clemson struggle as well Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I would say that that's one of the things that, you know, if we're talking about offensively, what we're excited about, obviously it's the run game, but defensively, there's absolutely no reason that this defense can't make life very difficult for Clemson. If they have this, if they have a similar game plan to what they did in the first half of the game uh, against uh, uh, Syracuse, excuse me. If they can do that and they don't just put it into, you know, neutral in the second half, if they do that the whole game, I think I don't care who the quarterback is for Clemson. I don't care that they've got, you know, Shipley in the backfield and all of these different things. They're going to make life very, very difficult for Clemson. And I feel very good about what that looks like for Notre Dame. Of course, you need the offense to back you up. But if we're just talking about the matchup of Notre Dame's defense versus Clemson's offense, it is not even anywhere near as daunting as it was in 2020. I think this defense can make 
Clemson's offense just really struggle at times for sure. I think so too. Just got to avoid those big plays. That's the big thing. And it's just like, I just don't get some of the, the times they decide it's like, okay, let's go zero coverage. Now. I, I just, I, I don't like the times they pick to do that. I don't get, and I hope that they don't do very much of that against Clemson because they, they just really, you have to avoid big plays against yeah. these guys because again, they're, they're, their offense has been good, but there's just enough inconsistency that I think if you avoid those, you can really you can you can be in this game going into the fourth quarter. I would say arguably this is the least dynamic team of Clemson that Notre Dame has faced since playing Clemson. You know, you, you're looking at a Trevor Probably Lawrence-less right. team. The wide receivers are obviously not as good as they used to be. Uh, obviously, DJ has had his struggles. If you take away their run game and you make DJ pass it, we know he's not an elite passer, and that's got to be their game plan is just shutting down the run. I like what they did against North Carolina and Syracuse, similar game plans defensively. You bring that in to, to Clemson, and obviously you have to be prepared for what's given them fits in uh, quarterback runs. you got to have someone who's committed to the quarterback. DJ is good uh, with his feet. I remember watching him in designed runs against Syracuse uh, in their game that they played each other. So you just got to be prepared for those things. If they have the same game plan that they did against North Carolina, uh, Syracuse, and bring that into you know what to, to Clemson, I think a lot of things will go well. They just need to get off the field on third and long. They can't let Clemson extend drives. That's their biggest weakness is third and long. You know, to me, everyone everyone talks about this big old red zone deficiency for Notre Dame's defense. And I'm just not buying it. I think Notre Dame is a very solid defense. And I'll tell you why the, the red zone things don't matter to me because last week, you know, I, I can't remember the exact numbers here, but I remember what the number came down to. It doesn't matter if if teams are scoring in the red zone at a high rate, if they're getting if they're not getting there often, meaning if they're getting there like a hundred times and they're scoring in the red zone all a hundred times, sure, yeah, that's an issue. But if you're only in the red zone 15 times and you've given up 15, you know, 15 red zone touchdowns over eight games. That's not a bad average. They're not getting to the red zone often. It's just when they are getting to the red zone that they're scoring a lot. And so, yeah, the, you know, teams. They're also scoring touchdowns a lot. I think that's the bigger issue. It's it's not just that they're scoring. It's that they're scoring touchdowns. But I, I, I understand the point of what you're saying. You're saying the percentages say they're, that the teams aren't necessarily getting to the red zone very often, but when they do get to the red zone, they're scoring, they're punching it in. Yeah. But you know, games can, games can be a lot closer. Like, uh, you know, I guess I'm more concerned about 95 yard drives in the fourth quarter that turn into a red zone score. Right. Yeah. Obviously those are the issue is the, the late long drives when, when Notre Dame's looking to put teams away and the third and long situations where teams, yeah extend drives on third and long when they just need to be getting off the field. And so I'm most confident in Notre Dame's defense is going to be their secondary. I think they're going to give DJ fits. I think they're going to come up with at least one interception or turnover, and they're going to need turnovers because any sort of, you know, extra possessions, points off or turnovers in a game like this is, is something that could, you know, come up crucial. And again, we talked about this last week. They have to be better in the third phase. They, you know, they their special teams has been outstanding this year, way better than last year, and that's a huge underrated phase. When you're you know blocking punts, you're getting positive yards on on getting the ball to the 35 instead of the 25. That's huge for your offense. Getting five to ten yards on punt return, that's huge for your offense. And so if they can continue to you know beat Clemson in the in the special teams phase, I think that's another big factor because you know we talked about last week. That's a third of the game. You have offense, defense, and special teams. 
And I think if, you know, they continue to do things well on special teams, they continue to take away, you know, DJ's, uh, you know, uh, throwing and, and the secondary and they do what they need to do on offense. It really shouldn't be too hard of a game. I, I like Notre Dame actually in this game for that reason, because I think that they do things better in more phases. It's just a matter of consistency. And that's that's just the season long message. So what you're saying, going back to what we were talking about earlier, is you think it's more about playing up or down to the level of competition than it is home or away. Yeah, I don't I don't see it as a home or away issue. I, I, okay. I just see it as uh, unfortunately, you know, knowing who your competition is and coming off big games. It seems like they go big game, small game, big game, small game, big game, small game, like Ohio State, Marshall, uh, you know, big BYU, you know, BYU game come into to Stanford. And then it's just we don't there's no more there's no more time for the fall offs. Like this is the end of the season. This is where you should be playing your best. And you got to really finish strong. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, most in this game, even if they lose, if they play a competitive game where I feel like they didn't beat themselves, I'll be happy with that. I just don't like losing where I feel like they didn't put their best foot forward and they continue to kind of shoot themselves in the foot. Vince? I, You know what? Like I said earlier, there's a lot of truth to what Jess is saying. And when you talk about a home schedule, you know, a lot of those games are going to be stinkers. I mean, that's just how it is in division high division one college football, right? Your home get your home slate usually has one or two really good games, and the rest of them are stinkers. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, right? And they're not getting up for the stinkers right now. And that's a problem. I mean, it's a it's a legit problem. It just so happens that those games are the ones that are at home. <laughs> and the ones that you gotta win. Those are like the, yes. the ones that you usually pad your win column with. Absolutely. Right? Those exactly. are, I mean, they're, they're literally pay for play games. You're you're literally paying the team to come in so that they can take their butt whooping and then, then leave. Right. <laughs> and one of them beat your butt. I mean, that's not that's not a good thing. That's not good. So someone was asked if if uh Uyunglele is gonna start. Saturday, he is at least listed yes. at number one on their depth chart. I just looked today, at it, yeah, or whatever that means. Yeah. You know, like I would think, I would think that well, one, it depends on how much confidence they have in in Klubnik. I mean, they had a buy after the Syracuse game. Klubnik came in and played quite a bit in in the second half after they ended up benching DJ, but. He has played here before when Trevor Lawrence right. was hurt a couple of years ago. He's got that experience playing here, even though it was it was a mostly empty stadium. But he is your your veteran who is a junior now at yeah. this point. So I would think that even this is just like how I would kind of rationalize it. Even if we end up seeing both, it probably makes more sense that you go with your veteran to start things off and see how the you know how the game plays out after that. Could not agree more. I, I think that that's exactly what I would do. Dabble Sweeney is no idiot. I mean, he's not going to – I mean, you could run out there with a true freshman who played fairly well down the stretch of the Syracuse game. Obviously, they got the win, so that's really important. You had a bye week to potentially get him ready. I did look at the depth chart just like you. DJ Ui Ongalale is listed as the starter. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I expect him to start. I mean, he does have the experience in Notre Dame Stadium, like you said. I'm not ready to go away from him just yet. If I'm Dabo Sweeney, I mean, he has won a lot of games for you. They are undefeated, you know, and I, I think that he will get the start. But if it's but if he struggles and Notre Dame is in his face, which I fully anticipate that they will be, yeah, I would not in any way be surprised that they brought in the other kid. 
Klubnik. <laughs> this, you know, what's interesting is is DJ kind of has what I what I'm calling the Joe Burrow syndrome right now. He had better talent back when they played that game. Oh yeah, two years yeah. ago, and I think he's gonna. That game was so close because his deficiencies were made up for by his talent around him. Well, that's not going to be the case this year. I think he is going to look worse. Clemson is not going to put up the same amount of points offensively, and it's it's because of that. It's you know it, we talked about it before. Is it the wide receivers that make you know the quarterback, or is it the quarterback that make the wide receivers? You want to find the balance where it's 50-50, But I just think so much right now, and what DJ did two years ago compared to now, I, I just think that he had so much more talent, and that's really what's hurting him is he just doesn't have right. the talent to kind of make up for the deficiencies. And 